Hello and welcome to episode 103 of Virgo and the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRLP. And joining me as always is the glorious League Freak. You can find on Twitter at League Freak. How you going there, mate? I'm going very well, Andrew. I don't think our listeners would really understand that we basically press record and we nail it the first time on these podcasts. It's fantastic how we've just got that consistency about ourselves. Yeah, we have never had to re-record any part of the uh, the podcast ever. Never, ever. Especially just, not the intro. Especially not the intro. It's just all out smooth sailing from start to finish. Yeah, I don't think it, what... I don't think I don't think anything will anyone will catch on to what happened. No. <laughs> um big weekend of, of test footy's just gone behind us there. Um we had five international matches take place. Mm. Um and I suppose we'll start quickly. We'll we'll do them in chronological order. Why the hell not? Yeah, that's the way to do it. Right, so on Friday night, which is Saturday morning Australian time, Greece played Scotland. And mm. this saw Scotland win 42-24 and gave Scotland um, a place in the 2021 World Cup. Yep. And, and thanks, very thankful that Scotland will be there. Yeah, yeah, they'll be... Uh, Oh, it'll be so good. Um, you were saying Lock before Lacoon. when we we're having a chat here that um, there's a lot of European teams in this World Cup coming up. Yeah, and uh, like I see where you've got to have the the places for like you've got to reserve blocks, I guess is the way to put it, so that you do get a representation of rugby league from across the world. But I also think that when you look at where rugby league is strongest. You need to acknowledge that the Southern Hemisphere has way more talent, uh, way better teams and, and things like that. And I think that there is a danger where if we just go by geographical locations and um, how teams like qualify in, in through these tournaments, if we just go by that, we're going to leave some good teams out and some important strategic teams out as well. So I think that there's a danger of that happening, but... I don't think we're quite there yet because they're having 16 teams in, but we're pretty close now. Yeah, the good thing is they have expanded it to 16 teams instead of that stupid 14-team format they had where two groups were playing intergroup matches, and mm-hmm. that was just, God, that was just stupid. So at least now they've got four groups with four teams in them. It makes a bit more sense. Um, yeah. It's looking like we may only get um, one team from all of the Americas, and that's going to be Jamaica. Uh, yeah, you were saying and, and, Canada may not even feature in the World Cup, which to me sounds like a, a bit of a lost opportunity. Yeah, me too. I mean, and like Jamaica's really pushed hard over the last few years to to get there, and it's not saying they don't deserve their place. I think that we need, we just need, you know, we need the USA or Canada in there as well, yes, and we do. and that's more of a strategic move for the game, I believe, um, and that's where I think that. Y- a lot of these sporting organisations where they become international, they can lose track of some of the things they kind of need to do, uh, trying to please everyone else. And, you know, I can see where there's there's good things that come out of that, having a almost like a democracy for your sporting organisation. But I also think at some point you need to be able to say, hey, we need a team from this area. And I think the way that you really should be doing that is through the qualification process, where if you had like a qualification process where it was 
you knew you were going to get the USA or Canada in there. Um, I think that would be good for the game. Yeah, I don't know what the... I mean, the, the system at the moment in qualifying is a bit sort of... Um, how could I be kind of just say? It's a bit all over the shop. There's, yeah. there's repper charges and playoffs and then oh, so many different things going on to try and give a lot of teams as many chances possible to get to the World Cup, which I suppose is a good thing. Mm. But at the same time, it can be a bit convoluted and it's hard to follow for, for even the casual fan. Or even the dedicated fan. Yeah. Like, we we were watching, we watched some of these smaller international games and we're like, has this got anything to do with the World Cup? Have they made it yet? I don't know. And it's it should be a lot easier to follow, quite honestly. Yeah. And I think they just need to have dedicated tournaments and just say, right, the top two or three teams in this entire tournament will go through the World Cup. Instead of having, I think one thing I'd have in the qualification is instead of having pools like they do mm. in the World Cup, I, I don't mind the, the pools idea in World Cup, but I think in the qualification process, if we're going to be fair dinkum about it, every team that's in each section, like say all the teams in Americas, should play every other team in the Americas in one tournament that's hosted over, you know, a, a month or so. Mm. Everyone plays one another, and the top, say, two or three teams, depending on how many teams are in the comp, they, they automatically go through. And that way you're making sure you're getting enough people, enough teams from every different part of um, of the world to, to be competing in this. Yeah, and no, look, I guess they try and do that as much as they can. I just like, and I think there's only a couple of a couple of places left in the World Cup now. I just look at some of the teams. I mean, does Wales, Scotland and Ireland ever face any sort of issue of getting into the World Cup? They're always there and they're not that good at rugby league. Well, they're you know, usually and, up against teams that are essentially seen as being the next sort of rung down below them. Yeah. So it means that Wales, Ireland, Scotland do get an easier run into the World Cup. Not saying it's going to be simple. I mean, Scotland came up against Greece and only beat them by 18 points. That shows actually more than anything how far and how quickly Greece have advanced despite all the challenges yeah. they've got over there. Um but it still shows, too, that Scotland were able to get the job done. Mm. And, I mean, we saw it when, when Serbia were down to uh, 12 players for part of the, their game the week before against Scotland. They got hammered by 80. Uh, the thing is, though, like, <laughs> I, like, should those teams already be there and we still haven't got Cook Islands in? Like, the Cook Islands should smack all three of those teams. You'd, you'd think they would. And I think mm. the, there's a match coming up, which we'll get to later, which is to determine the, the last remaining spot. And I think it'll be between Cook Islands and the USA. Mm. Um, so, yeah, we'll get to that soon. But it, it's, uh, Scotland's through to the World Cup. Greece has gone into a... I think they've gone into a repertoire charge game, I think. I should have a look at that. Preparation mm. would have been good. Yeah, we should have prepared. But here's the <laughs> thing. Like, you and me are, uh, like rugby league tragics and if we're sitting here going i'm uh, not real sure what's going on there then there's something missing whether it's the way that these games are promoted whether it's just i mean it's hard to get you, you go to the international rugby league website and it should be the first thing you sort of see um and it's not and it shouldn't be that way because if you and me are sitting here going oh i'm not real sure about that 
then your casual fan has no idea about it. And your your fan that doesn't know much about rugby league doesn't even know these games are being played. Yeah, it's it's a worry. Uh, so, yes, yeah, yeah. Serbia plays Greece. They'll be for a spot in the World Cup as well. That's on this weekend. Okay. Um, yeah. So, Greece aren't out of it yet. I'd like, to be honest, I'd like to see them in the World Cup. I like seeing new teams in the World Cup. Yeah, same here. Which means I'd also like to see Serbia in there as well, but we can't have both. We should be able to... They name the, the 16 teams, but then there's a fan vote of who to dump out. And, uh, yeah, then just get rid of Wales. <laughs> I mean, that was pretty quick and easy, that one. Yeah, yeah real simple. Yeah. Um, which team, which te- the, one of the old, you know what? I think they're the oldest international rugby league nation with New Zealand. Because uh, they played the first international, Wales and New Zealand, wasn't it? Pretty sure it was. I've got a feeling Wales may have actually been involved in the very first international. It might have been against England in 1903. Against, okay, Wales versus England. I thought felt like it was Wales versus New Zealand for some reason. Anyway, oh, either way, they've had uh, their time. They, they've had over a century, and they're still crap. What are we doing? I, I, was, I was wrong. It was, it was Wales versus New Zealand. It was January 1, 1908. There you go. You know what, Andrew? You stick around long enough. I'll teach you some things about rugby history. I think... I think that pretty much says to me that my time as a rugby league historian is pretty much yeah. over. I don't know what I'm going to do now. You had a good run. Had I'll a good run. That. Yeah. Um, but it's been found that... Is charlatan too strong a word? Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Anyways. Um, Scotland beat Greece 42-24. Uh, yeah. They... It was 18-16 to Scotland at half time, and even after an hour, it was 24-all. So this game was pretty close and in the balance. And Luke Douglas, in his last ever game of rugby league, I believe, uh, scored scored the last try of the game. Which uh, is pretty cool. Yeah. Good work, Dougie. Uh, next up, we had the triple header at Eden Park. And... As many would remember from the uh, the preview episode we did last week, we sat there and said, right, Samoa versus Fiji, Samoa should run absolute rough shot over Fiji and rack up a big score. And mm-hmm. this showed just how smart we are because Fiji won 44-18. <laughs> and this um, has been a problem with Samoa for a number of years now. And I think they need to look at the coach. The co- Like, how many times have we seen Samoa turn up to an international match? They've got all of the talent you want. They've even now got some really good halves and they look like a football team that is ill-prepared, not interested. And at some point it comes back to the coach. And I was just, I couldn't believe how poorly they played. Fiji were fantastic. Fiji did everything you wanted them to do. They were the opposite. They were ready to play. They played really smart. You could tell that they'd been coached to play to their strengths. And they tore Samara up the middle. Um, The hooker for Fiji was absolutely outstanding. Um, Yeah, fantastic performance. And they were just running all over them for the whole game. They were, and the interesting thing about this match is both teams had centres at five eight, so the, both teams went into this game with a genuine half and a genuine hooker, 
and sort of wingers slash fullbacks, not full time fullbacks, but you know, part timers sort of fullbacks. Yeah. So <laughs> they only went into it with you know half a spine for both sides, but. Fiji, I mean, they got out. That first half of theirs was was absolute perfection. They had they led thirty to six in that first half. Yeah, um, and that like because they didn't have halfback, and there's always a, a a thing with Fiji because their backs are so good. They like spreading the ball wide. In this game, they were like, okay, what, what we haven't got a halfback, so let's do everything out of dummy half and around the ruck, and it it worked perfectly. And Samoa had no answer to it. Yeah, and I think that's the thing too. We did mention in the in the preview one that if Fiji were to win, they needed to play through the middle, and mm. especially Kikau needed to play closer into the ruck and not wider of the ruck, and that's exactly what they did. Um, because you know we we're experts, we saw this, um, oh, and man. they they destroyed Samoa. They really did. It was, uh, and Samoa had. If you looked on paper. We don't play games on paper, but if you look on paper, Samoa's side was... I mean, we should have really tallied up how many NRL first-grade games there were between the two teams. It would, it must be hundreds more in the way of the Samoan team, like many hundreds more. And yet Fiji just absolutely smashed them and really deserved the win. It was good to see them play so well after a poor uh, World Nines competition. Uh, and Samoa, yeah, they've got to look at the coach now. It's how many more years are they going to go into games and disappoint before you say to the, the coach has to go? Because they should be right there with Tonga, and they're just not. They're not even. They're not on the same level at all. Well, that's the thing. Every single player in that um, in that Samoan side played mm. in the NRL this year. Yeah, and you can't say the same thing about Fiji. No. And that should be enough for you to realise that Fiji should have been the underdogs there. But I think the one thing that stands out for me, and it's something that that rings true for for Tonga as well, is uh-huh. they look Fiji looks like a cohesive, tight knit unit compared, mm. and Tonga does too, compared to Samoa, who just look like a bunch of players just brought in, you know, fifteen minutes before kickoff. Yeah, and that's the perfect way to describe them, and. It's not like they're having a different time, preparation time than these teams. And they just look completely out of it. And that's got to come down to the coaching staff and the just the general staff for the for the team. Because yeah. I just don't know how many more games we're supposed to see Samoa come into it and you're like, oh, this is going to be a good contest. And they're completely unprepared for the match. Well, see, Samoa should be one of the top, you know, Four, probably top five or six teams in the world. Well, you look and at that, the Samoan lineup, right? Would you take the Great Britain lineup over the Samoan lineup? Because I wouldn't. No, but in saying that, I'd probably back the Lions to beat Samoa the way Samoa's playing. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. That's that just seems wrong. Yeah, it really does. It, like, and that's that's bad for the international game. Yeah, you. This is the thing. If Samoa keeps going on this trajectory, then they're going to find themselves instead of being, you know, as they were a few years ago, going toe to toe with Tonga. Mm. They're going to be find themselves playing against the Cook Islands, mm. and if they're not up for that game, and and trust us, a lot of people don't think much of the Cook Islands because they're so small and they don't play that often. 
But if you don't turn up for a game against the Cook Islands, you will lose. Yeah, they're, and they're a damn the, strong unit, very cohesive, much like Fiji. Yeah, and the vast majority of teams in the world will lose to to the Cook Islands as well. And they not only that, they're going to give a difficult game to the top sides. Um, yeah, it, it's it's disappointing about Samoa because the other thing that they're in danger of having happen is that players will stop committing to the Samoan um, yep. national team. And it won't, it won't just be about opportunities elsewhere. It'll just be the fact that you these are professional players. As you said, they're all NRL players. And they'll start to go back to the to their club sides and say, you know what, the setup's poor. You know, you know, and when they have young players that are, are tossing up, should we play for where we were born or should we play for... And they talk to the senior players, they're going to be saying, listen, dude, stay in the Australian system. And I'll play for New Zealand because you'll get mm. more opportunity. The setup's better. You'll get more games, and that's and why we is, can't have well, international and that, rugby league. And that's the thing too is that if that if they continue on this trajectory where they struggle and they're not even being competitive mm. um, in games where they should be winning, yeah, then they'll start getting less games of football. Yeah, which is less appealing to the players who represent them as well. Even if they want to play for them, if they're only going to get one, maybe two games a year for Samoa or less. And those mm. games aren't going to be against the elite teams. They're going to be against the, the next nation, next tier down. It, it takes the, it takes a bit of shine off the, off the opportunity. I'd imagine. I mean, everyone's still going to be proud to play for their country, but you want to play for your country against the best in the world and prove yourself on that stage, not against lower sort of ranked teams that, you know, you're expected to walk through. Yeah. And you just have to look at, how disappointing New Zealand has been. And New Zealand has a similar thing where they just don't turn up some uh, for the vast majority of their tests. Um, and when they don't turn up and, and people stop wanting to watch them play, and that hurts the bottom line of the NZRL. You know, all of a sudden, Australia starts looking around and they're like, well, let's play Tonga instead. You know, yeah, well, a, a lot of these games that Australia is playing Tonga, because we've played them twice now, those games would normally be New Zealand's games. And there's a reason why the Tongas get in the run. Yeah. And why New Zealand's playing a couple of tests against Great Britain, yep. which we'll get onto now. Um, Great Britain dominated New Zealand when it comes to field position um, and possession. Mm-hmm. And yet they still lost 12-8. Uh, New Zealand were, they were sloppy, ill-disciplined, gave away a heap of penalties, uh, really dumb ones, turned over ball in their own half just constantly put themselves under pressure for the whole game, and yet they still did enough to win the game. And that's without Kieran Foran, who went down with an injury after six minutes to his shoulder. Um, there's no fracture, but it looks like he does need a shoulder reconstruction. Yeah, which, and look, there was an article that said it's not a career-threatening uh, injury. I would suggest with all the injuries he's had, it is definitely a career-threatening injury, especially at the point he is in with his contract. Um, yeah, New Zealand were terrible, and this was a this was a very very hard game to watch. New Zealand were not creative at all in attack. I know they lost four and kind of early, but I mean they were just they were playing Matthew Elliott style football, where it was just one out hit up, one out hit up. And they did that for probably 65 to 70 minutes of the match. Um, their kicking game was poor. As you said, their discipline was terrible. 
And, you know, it's it's the same thing with Samoa. You know, how many times are we going to see New Zealand just not really want to turn up and play? They can, you know, cry during the national anthem and do the harker all day if they want. But when it it's come time to play football, they're just they're just not there. Yeah, it's 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 an interesting one. Um, I think too part of the part of the problem that made this game hard to watch is the referee um, didn't assert himself at all when it came to keeping the ruck clean. The ruck was yeah. in, was horribly slow. Um, both sides were guilty of it. New Zealand probably more so. Um, but he didn't make any effort to try and speed up the play the ball or anything like that. New Zealand, well, they played to their strength, which was through the middle. And Great Britain made the big mistake of trying to match him in that area. Like the, What they should have been doing was throwing the ball around a bit. And they just didn't. They just went, oh, we'll do it too. Yeah, and when they started throwing the ball around and it was very late in the match, the game was pretty much over. Um, I tell you what, Roger Chulvasashek, man, he was the best player on the field by the length of the straight. Yeah. Um, he was he, he was the his, difference between the two teams. One hundred percent. He used his, and when you say the difference, I mean this game could really easily have just been six all or something. And yeah. he used his size as much as anything to just smash through them. And I mean he put on a great try. Uh, fantastic ball out the back that should have been... Most players would have thrown that ball over the sideline. He nailed his winger. It was great. Um, but, yeah, he was fantastic. Um, not really anyone else in this match that really stood out. I thought Jermaine McGilvray, uh, we've been really critical of him. I just thought his work rate for a winger was fantastic in the middle of the field. Yeah, no, he um, was definitely the most improved player for Great Britain by yeah. by a long way in this game. He was very, very good. Um, Jackson Hastings was also much, much better. He looked a lot more comfortable yeah. this time around. When he, uh, It was like he got to about the 70th minute and he thought to himself, if we're going to lose this match, I might as well try something. And he did start trying things, which was interesting. Um, he should continue doing that because he is going to make mistakes, but it's better than him making no mistakes and they they lose anyway. Yeah, that's right. He and he is he's a very he's very good when he takes the line on as well. So mm. <laughs> I'd like to see him do that more often. He did it, uh, yeah, once late in the game and made a line break. And there was not a single player backing him up or supporting him at all. Mm. So he had to die with the ball. But, um, yeah, I, I said in the preview that I thought that the lineup they had for this game looked better than the one they had for the game before, um, mm-hmm. two weeks ago against Tonga. And I think for the most part, Great Britain were better performed. They did dominate field position, which yes. is <laughs> – you don't do that by fluke. Um, no. Their defense was better. But attack-wise, they've—I don't know why their attack is so poor. When you think you've got Bateman and Whitehead in the back row, who run very good lines, they're very good at getting offloads away. You've got two genuine attacking halves there in Whitup and Hastings, and Lomax is no stature with the ball either. It staggers me that they can only score one try. The thing is, though, like I've heard so many raps about Lomax. I'd like to see when he actually does all of this wonderful, terrific stuff. And I don't care about what he does in Super League because he's playing against other Super League players. Um, 
he just was a run of the mill fullback for me in this game. He didn't really do anything to you know yeah. to write home about at all. Um, and I think that's because he is. I'd say he is very similar style wise, not attitude wise. He's got a better attitude to uh, to Matt Moylan, where he's not yeah. a fullback. He can fill in there if you need him to, but he's more of a five eighth. That's where he should be. That's when I looked at the lineup and I went, given how Hastings had played, I would have preferred to see Lomax at six, Widdop at seven, mm. and just put someone else at fullback. It wouldn't have mattered who. Hardiker would have worked fine there. Um, he, he doesn't have much when it comes to kick returns. Mm. He's, he's safe enough under the high ball. To be honest, though, um, the Kiwis didn't test him at all under the high ball, which was weird. They just kept kicking to Ryan Hall. Yeah. Which was um, a smart move, to be honest, because Ryan Hall, and he's got a, a knee injury. Apparently, he's dislocated his knee, which, I mean, that's got to be a career-threatening injury for him. Um, but Ryan Hall is is not a first-grade player. Um, he he looks he he looks like a I mean, he's a plotter at the moment, and uh, yeah, uh, like. I don't know why they persist with him. And the Kiwis did a good job of kicking him a lot. But, yeah, when they would kick to Lomax, there was never really any pressure on him whatsoever. No, that's right. I, I, I said all along that I think Regan Gray should have been playing on the wing instead of Ryan Hall. Because you can throw the ball to, to Grace when he's in space, and nine times out of ten, he's going to score a try. And that's the sort of thing you need. You need pace out there. And Ryan mm. Hall doesn't provide that. i tell you what, I was also with... Uh, combination with Josh Hodgson and John Bateman. Uh, they, 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 Hodgson would throw to Bateman so many times on the last tackle, and it, there was nothing doing. Like, they weren't threatening the Kiwis at all with that play. Uh, I don't know why they persisted with it, whether it was a part of the game plan or something and it was poorly executed or what. Um, I thought Joe Philbin was fantastic off the bench for Great Britain. Um and Alex Wormsley, he was not too bad again. He was not bad in the first game against Tonga. He was not he's bad a, in this game. He's one of those blokes who was just, he's, you know, James Graham sort of mobile. You don't get five-star matches out of him. You just mm-hmm. get consistent, solid performances every week that you can bloody set your watch to. He's just reliable as hell. Um, yeah. And you need those sort of players in your teams, um, especially when you've got the likes of Thomas Burgess, who can either be rocks or diamonds. Yeah. Um, you do need a bit of an offset against that. Someone you can bring on to to settle things down if it's getting a bit sloppy. Uh, yeah, look, I think about the the Hodgson Bateman link up thing. I was wondering at the time when I was watching it whether that was just an attempt to try and take Tuivasa Sheck out of the game because so often we saw the the the, the Lions just hmm. conceding on the last tackle and just doing a turnover instead of kicking. Yeah, it was very weird, hmm. and it happened so often. Um, I don't know. I mean, you know what? It. I feel like. Do you see um, Wayne Bennett in the pre-match interview with Sky Sports? It, he just looked disinterested in this whole thing, and this is a. It feels like he's just you know racking up the the cash that the rugby football league's getting given to him. There's nothing that I'm seeing from Great Britain that suggests that they're getting any sort of better than average coaching. Like, they're getting decent coaching, but that's 
compared to what they're used to getting from British coaches. Um, I'm not seeing anything that's worrying me at all. They just sort of turn up, they plot along, and that's it. And I think the idea that Great Britain, and it's weird, you only ever heard out of Great Britain, the idea that they have one of the better forward packs in the world, I hope I don't ever hear that again because they just don't. They might not be in the top five or six. Yeah, it's uh, they've more gone to the utility type forward pack instead of the the big bustling, you know, big powerful sort of packs that they did have in previous years. Um, and that would work against teams like France and and the like, but against uh-huh. these uh, Pacific Island nations and, and Australia, um, they have huge packs, and you're mm. not going to get by with just a mobile pack. You need more than that. So maybe that's something they need to look at. But, yeah, they've got the next test coming up this weekend against New Zealand. I'd like to see both teams improve a fair bit. New Zealand's going to have to probably have to bring back Sean Johnson because yep. Warren being out injured. So we to see what happens there. Um, I'd still would like to see... <coughs> sorry. still like to see Lomax in the halves with it and have a genuine kick return or a fullback for, for Great Britain. I think that would change. That would help them in a big way. Mm-hmm. Or even if they, because at this point you've got to start looking forward, I guess, and try Lomax at 5'8", put Whittup at fullback. You know, I don't think he's a fullback anymore these days, but just get, I think you've got to leave Hastings in there. I think if you dropped him now, you're not really going to learn much about what he can do. Um, and yeah, maybe look to the future at this point. That they've got this game coming up, and then one against PNG the following week. Um, I I think that I mean, if New Zealand turns up next week, they should smash them. Yeah, um, Sean Johnson's an interesting player too, because sometimes sometimes we've seen that a bit of a kick in the bum when it comes to form wise, and he gets dropped. Mm. Can actually help him to smarten up and get better. Mm-hmm. And sometimes he'll he can be a bit sulky and just sort of go back in his shell a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see how he responds to that. Yeah. Um, because he hasn't he hasn't earned a test recall. No. So maybe he'll go. You know what? I've been lucky here. I need to make take the most of this. And if he comes out and he plays a good game of footy, um, Great Britain are uh, they shot? Simple. As and that. they'll also they'll bring back Brandon Smith too, who was apparently dropped for not having the right attitude or some bullshit. Um, so that'll be that because they were, they were absolutely atrocious in terms of dummy half work. Like at one point I was thinking maybe they should chuck Benji Marshall in there just to have something because nothing was happening with the halves. Um, but yeah, we'll see what happens this weekend, I guess. We will. Yeah. The next match. And my goodness, how glorious was this Tonga? Oh, it's amazing. Or the Tongan Invitational. They beat Australia 16-12. Um, it was Australia led 12-6 at halftime. But the I think a lot of people, including the Australian camp, kind of expected Tonga to drop off in the second half. But they just mm. didn't. They just kept and, going. And it was it was phenomenal to watch. And I, I was surprised that people were kind of looking for that because against Great Britain that didn't happen at all. No. Um and in this game they can't they got to about seventy two minutes into it 
and they were getting tired, but damn, Australia was tired as well. Um, it was a, a fantastic contest. Their forwards were once again magnificent. Um, and the the awesome thing about this, and I know I've said this a million times to you, there was there was nothing that you could point to to say that they got this win. But you know, it wasn't the referee. It wasn't a weird penalty. It wasn't a sin binning. There wasn't a weird try. They just flat out beat Australia. They were better than Australia. And it was fantastic to see. And the celebration was great. The crowd was going off. Um, I didn't think that Australia played too poorly. It wasn't like they had an off game or anything. Tonga just outplayed them. And outmuscled them. I think that was the main thing. Um, mm. The strength of their side across the park was, was brilliant. Now, in the, uh, the follow-up to this game, Brad Fittler and Andrew Johns um, decided that the best to, best way to, to deal with this was to, instead of give credit to Tonga for playing a phenomenal game of football, was to say, essentially, the Kangaroos lacked respect and they were they were rubbish and weren't, weren't putting in. And I think that's disrespectful to Tonga and the Australian so, players. Yep. Um, so one of the quotes here from Brad Fittler, was if Malice Fair Dickham, he's looking at that game thinking we might need a few new players here because I thought some of their efforts were terrible. They didn't put their hands up in big moments and took really easy options and let each other down. They let Australia down and they let the jersey down. It was a really poor standard. I find that to be way over the top. Australia didn't go there and get flogged. They got beaten by a better team. And I think all it was was Australia had the wrong game plan for this match. As simple as that. Yeah, and like I look at the lineup that we named, who do you really change in that lineup? Like it's it's about our best lineup, um, and like you might bring in players that maybe are going to put in more effort and stuff like that, but you're not going to you can't look at that lineup that we named and say, oh wow, we, we, now we should name our A team. <laughs> yeah, they're they're a bloody good lineup. We named about our best team. You might, I mean, I'm trying to think of somebody that you definitely drop out of that side, and no one really comes to mind as a most certain to be dropped. Yeah, I mean, you look at this team and go, okay, which which player deserves to be in there? Hang on a sec. What's going on? Okay, no worries. I don't know what any of that was. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Got me beat. Um, yeah, like which which player outside of seventeen who is currently available should have been in that squad? Yeah, I mean they're only like I I look at things like Jack White and Nick Kotrick. I like that combination. They give you size, they give you speed. Kotrick gets through a lot of work. He's a big body. I think that that's pretty handy to have. I think that Cameron Munster wasn't great and hasn't been fantastic uh, in the in the two tests. But who do you replace him with? There's no one that really jumps out as a replacement for him. The Ford pack, the Ford pack, maybe Boyd Cordner is not the best forward, but you know, who, you can't like, tell me though that he's worse than. His opponents in Bermudic Masilla and Manu Ma'u. Yeah, that, like, like that's I'd, the thing. Yeah, I'd rate Cordner above those two if we're going to be honest. So he should have been able to compete 
And I think he did. I don't think he played a bad game. I don't think any of the Australians were really actually bad. Um, no. Tedesco said that the loss should be on his shoulders for um, one mistake he made. I find that hard to accept. Yep. I just think Australia just played the wrong type of football for this game. And I think in their mind, they believed that Tonga would fade in the second half. And that's when they thought, right, that's when we're going to start throwing the ball around scoring points to make sure we win this game. And Tonga didn't. They didn't fade. And no. that meant Australia were throwing the ball around at times when they needed to be going forward. And that was that was a, a failing, I think, in, in there. That's the only thing I put it down to. I would, I'd never sit there and say that they didn't put in and they were crap and that they let Australia down. I don't feel let down by them. No, um, not if, at all. If they had a loss by 40 or something like that, I'd be going, yeah, you know what? We need to bring changes in. There's something seriously wrong. But that Tongan side is a bloody awesome side. Yeah, and like some of their performance, I mean, Katoni Staggs come into the to, to the halves, and it's like that was weird. It was like, what's going on here? He played outstanding footy. Lola here was fantastic. We were talking about some of their like not great uh, plays that he did in the previous week against Great Britain. He was great in this game. Michael Jennings, if they're fed income with the, the Golden Boot Award and it's on international performances, Michael Jennings is a Golden Boot winner. Like well, he, he's, he's shutting down everything that comes his way in defence. And in attack, he is just like electric. They, they might, you know, I, I agree with you, but we know with the Golden Boot that it changes, it, it changes the, the, you know, the... The, the the systems they use to determine who wins it mm. changes all the time. It's um, I mean, it's not even a golden boot now. It's a bronze boot that's silver in colour. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anybody that wants to see the golden boot can go to leaguefreak dot com. It's uh, and you'll see it. You'll see the picture. And go and check out Gary Jack on social media, Facebook or Twitter. He's got a picture on there of the golden boot that he won. I think it was in 87, 86, 87. Mm-hmm. And it's a golden boot. And it yeah. looks brilliant. Yeah. And now they've got this weird trophy where it's made of bronze. It looks silver. It's called the golden boot. And you get a, the person who wins it gets a replica version of it. And they get to hold on to the actual trophy for, I don't even understand why they're doing this. This just sounds stupid. Mm. <laughs> anyway. And it's not even like it's some <laughs> elaborate, giant, expensive trophy where you're like, oh, yeah, they can't give one of them out every year. It's like, you know what we'll do, Andrew? We'll make the Golden Boot Award exactly <laughs> as is, and we're going to yeah, put up a video of it on YouTube. We'll, we'll show people how it was made because yeah. you know, Freaky has contacts. He's, he knows people in the... Uh, in the trophy building industry, I kid you not, and he's seen how this one was made. So we'll we'll put up a video and show how it was done. It'll be fantastic. Yeah. Um, the last match of the weekend was Italy yes. versus Spain, and we start we start up and watch this. So it took place in in uh, in Italy. Um, Italy won the game thirty four to four. There was, uh, and Italy won this despite having. Um, Ethan Natoli was sent off just after half time, and mm. two other players, uh, one Italian, Emmanuel Pacera, and the Spanish player Julian Agulo, were both sin binned as well. It was a interesting match. 
it was we watched it and it was filmed on as you said a nokia <laughs> yeah it looked like it was a nokia in the the, the, the 6000s versions yeah um, and it it was a hard watch too jeez yeah um spain have this thing where because and you look at their lineup and their players even against the italians and a lot of them are not players playing in the super league even um the spanish forwards still look small against them mm, so yep. to counter that they tackle in this swarming sort of structure which is very interesting and and, and mostly effective for quite a while mm. but so, it, it just they I like their halfback was again very good their kicking game's fantastic but they didn't have much field position at all uh the possession went against them and yeah it was a uh, it was an interesting contest by the end of it we were both just about falling asleep um but yeah, yeah. It, and that's that's not entirely the fault of the game it was 4 4 no. a.m when the game ended yeah um but yeah it was it was getting hard to watch the the referee again another one of these games um didn't look like he had a great deal of control over the match um so it was it was we, an interesting game but it, it's it meant that uh i think Spain are, out, are definitely out of World Cup contention now because they needed to at least win one of their two games and they lost both of them. Yeah. So they're out of the hunt. Italy will be playing... Uh, I can't remember now. Let me have a look. Because we'll go into that next. Greece? Italy. Uh, Italy will be playing Ireland oh, this weekend. We and that's a dead rubber because both of those teams have, have advanced through, I think. So um, this weekend... On all the all four games this weekend are all on Saturday, and it'll start with Serbia taking on Greece for a, a place in the World Cup. And then I we'll can't have, imagine Greece losing that one. The way Serbia's been of late, well, Serbia. I think if you had looked at Serbia and Greece about two or three years ago, you'd have gone Serbia should win that. But yeah. the way Greece have been since then, I, I'm I'm going for Greece in that one. I think they should get the job done there. Um, very very good squad. Um, and then we'll have Papua New Guinea versus Fiji, mm-hmm. and that's going to be interesting. You're going to have a team full of heavy hitters against a team who like to throw the ball around. That's going yeah. to be insane. And I tell you what, I, I bet that's about a big of a height difference as you'll find in international <laughs> rugby league too. The Fijian team is very, very tall. The PNG team is not quite as tall, but they make up for it by just being brutal. They are, and. What we're going to see there, too, is two very close-knit, cohesive units going off against each other. So I'm expecting that to be actually a pretty close sort of game. Mm. Um, New Zealand takes on Great Britain in their second test. Um, Probably, despite the fact that that's two Tier 1 nations, that's probably going to be the most boring game of the weekend. Most likely. You know, it'll only be interesting if New Zealand turns up and, you know how many times they they turn up like a couple of times in a decade and then we ran out the weekend with Ireland taking on Italy in essentially as I said a, a dead rubber match but that'll be a pretty interesting game um, Ireland might have to you know, they'll probably have another whinge about food and having to walk somewhere so we'll yeah. see how that goes the, either the food will not be it'll be like they're like the three little bears Ireland yeah, you know the three bears it's like, my soup's too cold, my soup's too hot. It's like, yeah, we'll see what the Italians do to them. 
uh, a little bit of a culture difference there, hey, between the Irish and the Italians. Yeah, I mean, I think Ireland will win, but I will be going for Italy because I'd, I'd love to see them get up in that game. Same here, especially after the way Ireland was whinging about last yeah. weekend. So that's that's this weekend's footy coming up. So looks like another late night for us. <laughs> yeah, it'll be fun. Um I guess of all of the games that are on, it's it's got to be PNG versus Fiji's the real, you know, interesting game. After that, then it's just seeing how bad Great Britain can actually be. Um, so yeah, we'll find out. But yeah, it's it's been a really cool run with the international games. There's been some really good performances. Yeah, and I think moving forward, the one thing I'd ask is for the um, international rugby league to consider. Um, being able to find a way to broadcast games that are played over in Europe, make it more easily available, easier to find, and better better video footage. I'm not asking for 4K, but just something where it doesn't look like you're looking at pixelated squares. Yeah, um, and have it go through the uh, the you know their official website would be fantastic because then you just got one place to go to to watch whatever you want, or at um, least put up a link. You know? Yeah, <laughs> it'd be good. So, because instead, we, we said to sort of go running around on Facebook trying to find links everywhere. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, if they ever need international rugby league commentators, we're here. We'll we're do here. It. We, yeah. we did a bit. We had we, we did a good live show. Yeah. It, it, it fell apart in the last 15 minutes when we both started going to sleep, but it, we, 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 we slugged it out. We did it. We got the job done. Yeah. <laughs> so, Just... no, that's, uh, that was pretty good. I'll also be looking... Very, very closely at the uh, the Greece v Serbia game. I'm going to see if I can watch it, even though it's on in the morning. I think Saturday morning. So, what time? Oh, I think it might be six a.m. or something like that. Oh yeah, I'm out. <laughs> yeah. I'll see what I can do there. Who knows? <laughs> um, yeah, that's pretty much it for the for the international footy this week. There's only two more games coming up after that, um, and none of them are in Australia. I think it's PNG versus uh, Great Britain. Yep, and USA versus Cook Islands, and I think that might be for the final place in the World Cup. Yeah, and like that one's going to be fantastic to watch. I think the Cook Islands will win that one. Could we see Great Britain having to beat PNG to have a, a win on a Lions tour? Can you imagine if you had said even even fifteen years ago that Great Britain will do a Lions tour to the Southern Hemisphere? And they will not win a game. It's it's crazy to think of. Mm. It's crazy to think of. And Great Britain have lost to Papua New Guinea before. Have they? When? Nineties. Uh, okay, because I was going to going to say I can't remember that one. Um, and you know what? They there was a World Cup game. I think it was. It wasn't. When would it have been? Two thousand and thirteen, maybe where they play PNG, and PNG were a little bit unlucky to not win the game. So, yeah. It was it was 1990. Okay, yeah. PNG won 20-18. And the last wow. time they met one another was in 1996, yeah. and Great Britain won that game 32-30. 32-30, wow. So, oh, I'm thinking of England in the World Cup, yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> Interesting to say, I'd like to see PNG get up there because I like seeing Papua New Guinea win. I don't care who they're playing, but yeah. that would be interesting to see. And also, I dare say, the ramifications that would come 
back in England if Great Britain went back there having not won a single game. And I like to see Great Britain doing well in rugby league, just yeah, not too we, well. Well, the thing is, I think the, the thing we find in rugby league at the moment is Australia has been dominating for so long yeah. that a lot of Australians probably found themselves cheering for Tonga last weekend because you've gone, finally, some competition, a new team, yeah. someone that's actually on Australia's level. We're going to see some good probably football from now on in. We had that briefly with New Zealand in the early 2000s. Um, and it helped rugby league in a big way. Mm-hmm. So I think I think rugby league, it needs to have a lot more competition on the international stage. And that does mean that Great Britain needs to, they need to pull up their socks. They need to be on Australia's level. Um, yeah, you know, it, it, they're getting further away. I know, like I, and I, I always joke about how many years I heard, we're catching up, we're catching up. And I used to take the piss out of it. They Now the results, and you can see it clear as day, they're, they're falling further and further behind. Not just Australia, everyone. Yeah, um, I mean, they're now falling behind New Zealand and some of the Pacific Islands. Yeah. Yeah, and like, I mean, if you had to list the teams that you would like to see Australia play next... Great Britain's not in my top five. You no, know, it's going to be all Islander teams. Yep, definitely. And you would, uh, like as you said, watching Australia in a test match, they were finally tested, and it was great to see. Um, man, I hope that they, I know that they've got an international schedule that comes out. I hope they reschedule so that uh, we just play Tonga a lot more because that's I want to see that. Yeah, well, even I'd like to see Australia playing more games against all of the Pacific Islands because I think it's just going to be better competition. Yeah, one hundred. It's going to be great for all teams involved as well. So there we go. That's a uh, a good quick episode. I say quick. It was yeah. still close to an hour. Um, yeah, it's a quick one. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Um, you can yeah. find the the podcast on Twitter at Virgo Freak Pod. We now have a website. Yeah, it's uh, under construction, but you can see it coming together. It's furgoandthefreak.com. Uh, it's probably, a, I reckon, a week and a half away from being finished, but you can see where we're going with it. Um, so check that out. Uh, also today, big shout-out and happy birthday to Arabella. Yes, it looked like she got a bit merry yesterday, had a few drinks yeah. with, uh, with Nadine. Yeah, I started getting tweets from the both of them. When yeah. they will get, they, I don't like starting rumours, but I heard that they got absolutely shit-faced. Well, if anything that I read in the media is anything to go by, yeah, um, one of them is going to need bail money. Yeah. And, you know, considering it's like the uh, CEO on the legal team, I don't know where they get their money from because I ain't got it. Well, we, need to, we need to find out who's doing our accounts. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure we we uh <laughs> well we did some of our accounts the other day. Man, we were unprepared. We were very unprepared. <laughs> very shocking news, very, very uh eye opening information that was uh uncovered there. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh thanks for tuning in everyone and we'll wrap this baby up and we'll catch you all next time.